Guys, disappointing loss yesterday in Cleveland. 28-16 loss on the road. The biggest thing though is a missed golden opportunity for the Falcons. The way the weekend shook out, they had a chance to go five and four, and that would have put them ahead of the Packers, the Seahawks, the Cowboys, and the Eagles, who are all sitting at four and five. The Packers are four, four, and one. And uh, it was a game they should have had. We've been saying for weeks that they need to win these games, and they just came up flat. I know you want to talk about the players not playing up to their capabilities. You want to talk about the defense struggling on first and second down. I don't care where you want to start, but. Go ahead, Shock. I want to hear your. Tough, I, I, did tough. The game. I did the game yesterday. You, give me what your thoughts are. I felt this was a game where you look at both sides of the ball. I think offensively there was the rhythm wasn't there as much as you wanted. There were times where you wanted to change the tempo. You wanted to move the football. You wanted to play with a different pace. And they held you up at times uh, as far as the referees were. A couple times I saw that. And then uh, defensively, first and second down was big for me. You, you look at the issue of being picking up five, six, seven yards on first and second down was a huge thing. They were running the ball. They were throwing a year. They were having some quick throws. and. The Falcons were in their zone coverage and they were giving up some stuff, but I thought it was too easy. The fact that you rushed for over 200 yards, average 7.3 yards of rush, and a lot of that was on first and second down. And for any rookie quarterback, if you come in and you're on third down and it's third and two or three or less, it's an easy game plan to call. And I thought you had to give the Browns credit. They came in, they had a, a really good game plan offensively, get the ball out of Baker's hands, run the ball, be consistent in that part of the game. And the Falcons, I felt, never really adjusted totally to what was going on on first and second down, which allowed them to be successful. I thought it was an excellent game plan by the Browns. They, like you said, they, had, they got it out of Baker's hands quickly. A lot of that, a lot of those stats were padded by a 92-yard run by Nick Chubb, but they didn't sniff Baker all day. I mean, that first half, he was 12 for 12 at one point, 165 yards, two TDs, yeah. no pressure. They didn't sack him at all during the, the entire game. Well, the one play he makes in the passing game, early in the game, there's pressure. Uh, he gets pushed out of the pocket by Grady Jarrett, and he, it's what Baker Mayfield can do. It's why they drafted him, his ability to extend plays. Yep. He gets out of the pocket. Now, if in Shock and I, you see this all the time, if a guy breaks contain, can you stay on coverage? Alford's guarding Higgins on a post route on the backside. They wanted to take a shot on rhythm, but because of Grady Jarrett's pressure, it forces the quarterback out of the pocket. So now Baker Mayfield has to do the impromptu. He's got to make something happen. Alford did not plaster coverage. He was too far off of Higgins, and it allowed Mayfield to shoot it down the field for the first touchdown of the game. So there was some pressure when he, was, when he, was, when he held it. He just didn't hold the ball very much. The ball was coming out too quickly. The only way you take that away is the hug up on coverage, and you got to be. A, and that's another part that I'm going to get into about playing to your capabilities. But uh, in in commenting on what Shock was saying, absolutely, I think that first and second down completely put them in perfect position on third down. One thing to play off of what you just said too is you know that one play where the Browns. I mean, they those stats were padded. Largely do that 92 yard run, run by yeah. Nick Chubb, former Georgia Bulldog, um, who had a great game. But, you know, that play specifically, too, I mean, they, all day long, it seemed like he had some nice lanes to run in. Yeah. And that play where he broke it to the right, it looked like Duke Riley came in and instead of filling that gap, 
was blocked right out and it opened. He never had to pause, right, Dave? And yeah. uh, or stutter. And the safety valve was DeMonte KZ, and he just came up and flat out. He came in hot and missed the tackle. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, Beak. I don't think there's any question that you'd like to have seen better technique on by both those players. I think you'd like to see Duke be a little bit stronger at the point there, maybe take that block on a little bit more, maybe make, uh, make Nick Chubb have to move his feet, stutter step his feet, which would allow more hats to get to the football. And then once he broke clean, at that mm. point, KZ's got to be more of a safety. That's what you got him in there for, to try to leverage. He came in, as you said, Fired his gun, missed, yeah, yeah. and the rest is history. Guys off on the 92-yard run. Longest run in Brown Brown's history, history. Can you believe that? in the history of their program. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it was you sitting there. I got a guy named Jim, Jim Brown. Brown yeah. yeah. But, you know, the thing that surprised me, too, is the speed. I didn't realize Nick Chubb was that fast. I mean, I knew he had some speed, but some guys I was just, really impressed. Some guys, with it don't the, show up on, like, maybe a clock or something, but they have game speed. They got yeah. football speed, and that's what he had. And I think a, a point to what both of you guys made was – KZ coming in hot, and that's kind of how we've seen him play all year. Yeah. And to Archer's point and your point as well is about you being at safety is you got to break down. Yeah. And that's been a big issue all season is missed tackles. He comes in there, and he, you know, yeah. he, he's trying to take Chubb out right there. And instead of breaking down and maybe forcing the, it back to maybe Trufant who's trying to hold his guy off, and he end up, you know, shooting his gun, and bam, he's going 92 yards. You know, they had a great performance against the Redskins the week before against the run specifically, and people got excited a little bit about this defense. And with Deion Jones back at practice, it kind of feels a little deflated now, Arch, yeah, uh, after that performance. Um, any more thoughts on just the missed tackles and, and just the defensive performance and just playing up? You, you, I know you want to talk about playing up to their capabilities. Yeah, I, and, and maybe not so much the defensive side of the football. I think that we just documented what happened on that play, and, and you pointed out, yeah, that the, the huge crease in there. That can't happen defensively. Mm. Uh, but I, mean, I think the, the KZ play might be indicative of what I want to talk about. Play to your capabilities. Um, I think that you have to understand your position as well, understand the situation in the game. Some of that is is the youth, the inexperience. I think KZ has become a – I mean, he leads the league in interceptions. I mean, <laughs> yep. good Lord, the guy's got five picks, had a big play in the game earlier with the interception. So he's a ball hawk, playmaking guy. For sure. But he's going to have to learn as he gets more playing time that, okay, I'm the last line of defense and make that play. I think – more so for us, I think we understand some of our limitations defensively with some of the injuries and, and the new players, 21 different guys playing defensive football. So to dial that group in makes it a little bit difficult. So it's paramount on the offense that you got to play to your capabilities. Um, I thought even though Ryan had 38 completions, which is a career high for him, uh, I amazing. thought there were four or five misses yeah. in the game shock. Mm -hmm. That there was a early in the game had a uh, hitch route out there. had a hitch route open yeah. just misses the throw. There was a there was another play where they were playing a lot of too high coverage and playing really deep. Really deep. giving up so many twenty five yards deep. Yeah, on first down you got to take that check down right. Yeah. You got to take the back and the flat. And he kind of late got to the back and missed it. And so all I'm saying is you you're at one and four. You used all your mulligans. <laughs> okay, we hit it in the woods a couple times and lost our ball, to <laughs> yeah. give, lose a golf analogy. <laughs> yeah. We don't have any more mulligans. Wow. So you have to play to your level of your capability or you don't, you're not going to have a chance to win and you're going to give a game away like this. And no disrespect to Cleveland, but that's a, that's, a, that's a defense that Atlanta should roll through. Didn't run the ball against the too high. So as an offensive line, 
you got to take offense to that. If they're playing two high safeties, that means two guys are completely – and I'm talking about they were in Marlboro country. They yeah. were way out there, yeah. okay? So they're playing with a nine-man defense, and two of those guys are displaced to play receivers outside. Yeah. So i got seven men that i got to block. i got to take offense that if i got tight end in the back and I'm running the football and I can't run the ball against that. Yeah. And some guy named Zettel, I don't even know who that is. He, has two, he had two tackles on the year, got a sack on Ryan. I don't even know who the guy is. Yeah. That can't happen. That's what I'm talking about. you got to play your capability. You're Jake Matthews. You're Ryan Schrader. You're, you're Alex Mack in the middle. you got to play your capabilities. And, and they just didn't do that in this game across the board. And I, I think another big issue I know the fans had with was what happened down in the red zone, what happened you know, on the goal line, not being able to get into the end zone and not being able to pick up one or two yards there on the goal line. That's another thing it's just to where you talk about, Archie, is down on the goal line is man on man. It's Imano, Imano. There's no zone blocking. There's none of that kind of stuff. You're trying to get one yard, and you're not able to get one yard. There's one particular say Tevin Coleman gets tackled for maybe a two-yard loss. Nobody even blocks the, the secondary guy coming right in and, and makes a play. I mean, those are the small details that you talk about of a game that hurts you, and now you have to go on fourth and goal from the one, and you got to get in the shotgun because you've had your chance to try to run it in, and you're not successful doing it. So those are instances where this offense – for the past since week one has been really good in the red zone yeah. and to get They've down to the one yard line not out. be able to score is a is a big issue let me ask one of you this question uh speaking of being down by the goal line either one of you can take it but the play to hooper where it looked like he was in and they didn't challenge it what did you think of the lack of a challenge i know what dq said but what do you well my thought uh, on the no challenge was because we're down 28 10 at that point he couldn't afford to challenge and lose a uh, timeout. Mm -hmm. He knew he was going to need all his timeouts plus the two-minute warning to get back in the game. Right. And had you gotten in when it was really close, it was going to play out that way. You were going to get the ball back with a chance to win the game. So I thought Q did a pretty good job there of holding it because how many times have we seen? And I thought Tevin Coleman... You're happy with the no challenge then? Yeah, I thought okay. Tevin Coleman scored on the third down play on the yeah. drive before. Right. And Pepper you, hits him right there on the one. Yeah, he got yes. hit at the goal line. I thought yeah. he broke the plane, but do you challenge that? And and get this mealy mouth, oh, well, we can't tell, so the play stands is called, which yeah. we get all the time, yeah. and you lose a timeout. So I thought Q was in a bad spot right there to challenge, and so I, I understood why he did what he on did. On the other side, I thought why he didn't challenge it was you're on the half-yard line. Yeah. You go up fast, you quick, you score, you lose two seconds at the most because you're going to score anyway, and you're thinking you're going to score. So I thought that was part of it, too. That's kind of what he said, too. He oh, said okay. he liked his chances of oh, okay. scoring. Well, and as it turned out, the too, officials, so. guys, I don't know if you guys watched this, too, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. I thought there was an undue hold of the football by the officiating crew. We had a chubby little line judge on the right side <laughs> that kept coming in so far to spot the ball that they had to wait for him to get lined up. Ryan was going to do the Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Talk to him after the game dive over extend the ball mm. but because they couldn't get lined up and immediately yeah, and immediately yeah. they jumped offside yeah so you couldn't get the ball snapped when they came back the next time after the offside they put a guy over the over the center there was a bubble over the center ryan was going to be able to dive over but because they held the ball now that didn't you know didn't lose the game for you obviously cleveland outplayed you and you, and you lost the football game because of that but that kind of added to it it's just kind of the frustration yeah Speaking of the, you talked about the defense. Speaking of the offense and the frustration there, throughout the first half of the season, teams have, by and large, been able to haven't been able to stop this offense. Do you think the Browns? I mean, it was a great game plan. You know, keeping everything in front, keeping everything short. 
Is that kind of, you think it's a blueprint there maybe, how to kind of corral this offense a little bit? No, because, and Shock will tell you, Ryan will adjust. Yeah. So okay. what you'll do from a play call standpoint, if you're Sark, if you're going to see a lot of too high, you're going to design stuff to, to go against the too high. Okay. Uh, you've got to be able to run the football. I mean, Shock, I mean, talk about that. I mean, you've you got to be able to run the ball against uh, a, essentially an umbrella look in the secondary, which removes four defenders from the play. And it's... I was looking at it, looking at the game as well, and I'm watching it on TV as opposed to, you know, you guys being there, and they were literally 25 yards deep, and I'm I'm looking at it like, okay, they're gonna run the ball every time you come up, and you end up not running the ball, and you you're trying to you know throw the football, and they're just keeping everything underneath, and. The Falcons are known to have that play-action part of the game, and they have to use it, but you have to be able to run the football. You have to have that threat. And there weren't many creases in this game to run the football, which is I don't know why because you practically, like you said, you're playing with seven guys in there. What and did Cleveland you say a few was weeks expecting ago. the play-action. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. their, their second-level defenders weren't biting on play-action. Mm -hmm. They saw what happened to Washington the week before, and they said, screw that. Yeah. We'll defend your run game with our front four and rally with our second-level defenders. We're going to take away those intermediate throws in, in behind to Julio Jones and to Sanu. Mm -hmm. We know that's, the, that's your defense. That's what you guys want to do. So then it becomes even more paramount you got to run the ball. And it was even tougher. There were a couple of times you, the Falcons throw that uh, little skinny post to, to, oh. to Julio or throw it to whoever coming off the backside, and it was such tight windows. Sometimes Matt had to lay it in a hole or he had to throw it behind a guy trying to hold him up sometimes. They were playing that. They came in with their game plan, and, you know, we, I we thought tried the, to Yeah, I it. thought their coverage, defensive uh, coverage uh, on those slants was very good. But like you said a few weeks ago, we, the Falcons need to be able to demonstrate that they can run the football, and they just haven't. I was talking to Michael Turner about this, too. At some point, you have to prove that you can run the ball. They did against Carolina. They did against Washington, but it just has been so inconsistent, Dave. Yeah, I, I, and I don't have an explanation for that, I, other than the fact that I keep going back to we're not really a power-running team. I think I've said that a number of times on this, on this show, is the fact that our – we're a stretch kind of finesse run team and play action off that bootlegs we ran. How many bootlegs we run in the Four first quarter? Four in a row back and yeah. So that's kind of who we are. Kind of a, it's, a, it's not a power come off the ball, which hurts you when you get down inside the five-yard line. You can't knock anybody off the ball. So it becomes a two-fold scenario, though. So if your play action is not available and you're not able to run it, we get what we got yesterday. And the other part of the run game is because we're a stretch team, Defenses know that, and their front four, all they want to do is stretch it out. Yeah. If they can keep you going parallel to the line of scrimmage and let everybody, like you said, rally to the ball, it's tough to run the football that way. you got to have guys who are going to be able to fire off, even in that zone scheme, to change the line of scrimmage. You are listening to the Falcons Audible, presented by AT&T. If you want to give us a call, it's 470-341-4177. That's 470-341. 3414177 Sam Larson our producer. Hey Sam, did we get a phone call that uh, we want to play? Yes. We got one coming up. Hey, my name is Craig. I'm calling from Cary, North Carolina, right outside of Raleigh. And uh, I wanted to talk about the Cleveland game real quick. Um, what I noticed was that Cleveland was using short drops, quick throws to try to keep the pass rush away from Mayfield. I noticed there was zero quarterback hits, zero sacks, which is really unusual. Um, do you think that was part of their game plan, number one? And number two, um, I did not watch the entire game after the fact. I mean, I watched the whole game live, but I didn't watch the replay of it other than highlights. 
did we switch the man-to-man coverage to try to offset that to make Mayfield uh, hold the ball a little bit longer? Um, thanks. Always believe in the Falcons. We're going to beat the Cowboys up and down the field on, on Sunday. Rise up. Good call. Good call. Yeah, it was a good call. And we did not sniff Bay- bigger Mayfield at all yesterday. Um, no, it was certainly their game plan. Yeah. They, they knew what uh, – they know that our, our base defense is a zone defense where you're going to play at depth. And so they were going to take the quick throws, the slants, the play action off of, and throw off like we, Rachak was talking about with what we like to do, quick play fake, draw the backers in, throw in behind. They took advantage of that, which means the ball's coming out quick, dump the ball to the backs. Um, and we didn't do a very good job of coming up and hugging up. Now, later on, he asked if we switch to man coverage. We did switch to some man coverage and start traveling with guys, but at that point, Cleveland had staked themselves to a 28-10 lead, and they just ran the ball. Essentially didn't do anything. Went in the fourth quarter, didn't really do anything. Just kind of ran into the line and punted a couple times, uh, and we couldn't make anything happen on offense. Here's a, a quick concept that you can look at as a fan to see <clears throat> excuse me, how the Browns were, were trying to attack the power. They know, like Art said, playing that zone coverage, you're in cover three, and they ran what we call simple like a hank concept or a slant flat concept, and all they did was run a slant or they ran a curl on the outside, and you got a back in the flat right there. If the corner sinks or the linebacker stays inside, he throws it to the flat. You can see that happen two, three, four times in a game. He throws it to the flat, the back picks up four or five yards. Now you're in second and four again. If there one time they had a penalty and they got backed up to first and 15 or whatever it was, threw it in the flat again, that's just them giving him an easy out in the ball game and making the game plan simple for him, making the reads easy for him so he didn't have to hold on to it. So to the callers, you know, call, that was exactly what they wanted to do was not put him in situations where they know who they have at the quarterback position is a guy who wants to throw down the field, who wants to take chances, but they limited him in that by getting the ball out of his hands quickly. You know, we talk an awful, awful lot about Nick Chubb, but I thought Duke Johnson, too, played an integral part in that game, too. He's great out of the backfield catching the ball. Not to make too much of this, but are we? Did we witness kind of you know the coming out parties, uh, or, or or witnessing the coming out parties of two good players uh, in Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb? I mean, is this something that you think Cleveland is going to grow on and build on? I mean, they, I was impressed with them. Well, yeah, I think it, we both were. All of us were. Uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. Whenever you play quarterback, Shock, I want you to comment on this as well. The more time you get, you grow exponentially. Mm. Okay, and you may have a bad game, but you learn so much more. Like Ryan, Ryan's learning curve, he still learns some things, but it's nowhere near what Baker Mayfield is getting each and every week he goes out there. Yeah. So he, because he's getting looks he's never seen before. And so as he has success with that, his confidence rises, but his understanding of the game exponentially goes up as well. And you can see it. You saw it against Kansas City the week before. If you looked at the tape, they lost the game. He had 29 completions for almost 300 yards and two touchdowns. So you can see him starting to get better. This time he was much more efficient, mm-hmm. only through, what, 20, 20 times or something like that. Completed mm-hmm. 17 of them mm-hmm. for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. He took care of the ball, didn't put it in harm's way. Um, and then Chubb really hasn't gotten an opportunity. Last week against uh, Kansas City, I think he had 22 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown. That was the most he carried the ball. I think if he added up all his carries prior to that, that was the most he'd ever had. And so yesterday, obviously, he was... They got him rolling, too. So I think, yeah, I, my, my comment is that, uh, yeah, the Cleveland should be very happy about those two guys. Now can you get some more people around them? I think you saw that by them getting rid of Carlos Hyde, knowing that, hey, we got a guy who yeah. 
who can, you know, feel the load. And I think for the Falcons standpoint, it's kind of similar to what we talk about with KZ. There's nothing like that game experience that you can learn from. There's nothing like missing that tackle and a guy going 92 yards yeah. and you have to watch it over and over on film mm-hmm. for you to learn from it. And that's kind of the similar thing that you go through as a quarterback, as a running back, anybody on the field, when you're getting that kind of time to play when you're a young guy, it only helps you. And the mistakes are the ones that you learn probably the most from. I'm glad you brought it up. You mentioned the word turnovers. Dan Quinn, before this game, said the one thing we have to do is protect the ball. They, the Browns came into the game with a league leading 23 forced turnovers. We had two fumbles. One resulted in seven points, the Sanu fumble. Um, that was just something that we could not afford, the Falcons could not afford to do, turn the ball over. Again, another uh, you know, example of just shooting ourselves in the, in the foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kind of a lackadaisical play, really, Matt. I think that when you're talking about it was first and 15, Sanu catches about a five-yard ball. He's trying to extend the ball for another yard to make it second and 10 as opposed to second and 11. Really kind of a lackadaisical play. Got to take care of the secure the ball, especially in your own end. Turn the ball over, get a short field opportunity. They are able to punch it in and make it 21-10. So I opened this uh, episode talking about a missed opportunity, uh, a chance to be five and four and right there for that sixth spot if the playoffs were to begin today. Um, tough road to hoe now. They've got uh, four road games out of their final seven. They have to go to New Orleans, Green Bay, Charlotte, Tampa <laughs> Bay. It's not going to be easy. It's doable, but it's not going to be easy. This, this game Sunday now, uh, not to, to talk about the, the games ahead, but the one Sunday is, is, is huge. Dallas is four and five. Both of them are clinging to that playoff their lives here with the playoff bird. Um, I thought even little Cowboys here. Yeah, I thought even even with what happened in our game, uh, you were fortunate you got a little help last night. Yeah. Uh, with or yesterday, uh, obviously the Eagles uh, losing the game that actually helped Atlanta. Dallas winning that football game helped Atlanta because you don't have the tiebreaker on Philly. If Philly beat you, and Philly's been pretty good, uh, so Dallas pulls Philly back down to where you are at four and five. You get Dallas, so you can take care of Dallas yourself. Green Bay sitting out there, you mentioned, you can take four, Green four Bay one, yourself. Yeah. You get to take care of them yourself. They're 4-4-1. Four, four, so you have an opportunity to maybe take, care, take, take out some of these teams in front of you. The problem is, is the two teams that essentially are wild card teams right now is obviously Carolina, and Carolina opened the door by getting their rear end thumped on Thursday night. So that was why the five, you jump into 5-4 and four, knowing you get to play them again, you had a chance to take mm, care of yeah. them. That slipped back a spot, and Minnesota's sitting there at five, three, and one, just right. behind the just behind the Bears. So there's a little bit of a fight there. I think the Bears are six and three, so a little bit of a fight between those two. So that's the other team. One of those two teams is in, in position to be a wild card. So by losing this game, you let that cushion still be two games, as opposed to sinking it up by one game. Yeah, missed opportunity. So let's talk Cowboys a little bit. Obviously, they have a very good defense and like to run the football. Zeke Elliott had a big night last night. Um, Based on what we just watched with Nick Chubb, uh, should we be concerned a little bit about our run defense? Absolutely. I mean, this is the more concern going into this game. He is the one guy that can hurt you, and he's the one guy that can change the outcome of a game. And he's, I think, probably a a different back than Nick Chubb. He's a more dangerous back. I mean, Chubb was dangerous in his own right, of course. He, you know, rushed for 170-something yards. But Ezekiel Elliott is the type of back that can be a backbreaker for you, and he continues to come after you. And they've shown uh, the propensity to throw him the football out the backfield as well. Um, I think the game that they just played versus the Eagles, 
Uh, Dak kind of found a little confidence here and there. You bring in Amari Cooper, who's a, uh, another guy who can help separation. him. Separation, yeah. Can, can help him become a better quarterback with uh, his experience. But this offense comes in here uh, needing a big win. This team needed a big win, and they got it. The, the other night, they got two games on the road here, so they're going to be excited coming here thing, and they can come in here and change their outcome. They're looking at their season the same way mm-hmm. Falcons yeah. are it's as well. Huge, it's a huge game for both how teams. About, how about that, though? That's a great point, Shock. Okay, they win their game to go from 5-3 and three, or 3-5 uh, and five to 4-5 and five on the road in Philly. We lose our game in Cleveland to fall to 4-5. and five. Mm-hmm. They're coming in with a completely different outlook from a fan's perspective, from a team perspective. Right coming in here than we are and we get the same record (laughs) right which is kind of interesting so now perception is a player and I know the fans you're going to be upset and it certainly should be but the the team can't fall into that same rut okay hey we just lost the game we're four and five because Dallas is not thinking that we won a game we're four (laughs) and five we're back in the mix so you have a chance to take care of one of those teams like we talked about but Dallas comes in as a team that what you have to do it's going to be a similar scenario shock just talked about it so offensively, you have to operate, okay? You cannot flop around on the offensive side of the football and not convert on third down and miss opportunities. Like I said, you've used up all your mulligans. We can't hit it in the woods anymore, boys. No, no. And, you know, last year when, we, when the Falcons placed the, uh, faced the Cowboys, they were without Zeke Elliott. They were without Tyron Smith. Adrian Claiborne had the had six sacks. Day, yeah. It was a monster day, and yeah. we. I, you think I, the, they don't remember that? You think Dak <laughs> doesn't remember that? I think they remember it because <laughs> I, what happened too is like their season became unhinged oh, after yeah. that Falcons game. Good it call. was they were Good done call. after that. So Good call. they may be coming in on a high note, but I'm fairly certain that players don't forget that stuff, no. right? So it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a huge game. I think it's great that the Falcons are at home. Uh, I got one run real quick thing. I want to see what you guys think about this. We'll put our put on our our personnel hats for a second here. Okay, we've got two games in a four day span. You're going to play Dallas on Sunday, and then you got to go immediately turn around and go to New Orleans to play them in their building on a Thursday night on Thanksgiving night. Deion Jones is going to be eligible hmm. to come back this week. Okay, obviously if Debo's healthy, clean bill of health, you play him, right? Knock on wood. But. So now let's say that it's a little bit of a quandary for Coach Quinn and the defensive staff. Maybe not quite up to speed. Knowing you got two games back-to-back like that, what do you do? Based on what you just said, that we, can't, we have no more mulligans and we can't afford to, to drop any more games, you play them. Okay. You play them. We, say, they need to win. I'd say he's on a pitch count. I think you – How do you do that, though, Shock, with him? You have to protect him in certain situations. Obviously, he's good in all three downs. So that's a that's the tough part about having a guy like Deion Jones healthy back in in that short span. Because you bring up a good a good question. I know that's something that they're definitely have to struggle with. And I understand you saying the same thing. We we can't have we don't have time to wait on this season or wait on him to you know get back. But this is just as big of a game, I think, as New Orleans. And I, I think mm. you have to find a way to get him in the ballgame. And, and situational things, whether it's, whether it's on third down where you know they want to, you know, put a back out or, or, or just his leadership on the field is big. And, and whether you, you see how the game's going and see how, how he performs. But it's tough to put him on a pitch kind of as a linebacker. In a you perfect world, you, you, get up to a big, you get out to a big lead to get that offense going. And you, you know you, he you, needs you some reps though then, before 
Yeah, yeah that's a good point. So maybe He's, arrest him a little bit at the end. And it's going to take him a little time to get up speed, right? Yeah. right. So we're yeah. thinking about, okay, Deion Jones will come back in, and this is going to be the same guy that intercepted Drew Brees in the end zone to win right. the football yeah. game last year. Yeah. It's going to take him a little while to get back to seeing sure. things and reacting things properly. Beak, I don't know. I don't know if I understand this properly, and maybe you can tell me uh, now. So he had you had to keep him on the on IR, and there is no designation for him. He's just on IR, and then you Eight designate games. him to come back. Once he comes back to practice, mm-hmm. then that window starts. So tell me how long? How long is the window till they have to, to actually miss, declare? He had to miss eight games, right. and the bye week doesn't count as a game. Okay. So the soonest he could return is is the 18th for the Cowboys okay, but, game. Okay, but then you have a window. Now that he's come back to practice, you've kind of designated him coming back. So what is that window where you have to put him on the road? Isn't it like 21 days, or what is it? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good question. And sure. we'll have to we'll have to well, try Rush, to find what do you that think? out. Be- what do you think about playing uh, that I'm, scenario? I'm of the opinion this team can win and beat Dallas without Deion Jones on the field. Okay, um, I think that if he's healthy and ready to go, and he goes through practice, and there's no residual effect of him practicing for a couple of days, then he plays. Mm-hmm. But if he's sore and a little bit banged up. I don't play him. I get him ready for New Orleans. I, I have him ready for New Orleans because it's going to be tough for him to play back-to-back games right. coming right off of the injured reserve list. I, I, I completely concur with what you're saying, and I said it earlier. No mulligans left, so you can't <laughs> give a game away. And I'm not suggesting you give a game away by Deion Jones being on the sideline. I think they, you know, in looking at it, if we said with the final eight games, if they went 6-2 and two, finished 10-6, and six, that would give them a fighting chance. But if they drop one more, they're going to have to win out, and that's just going to be tough to do um, with the slate they have. I agree with you. What do we got? Seven left. Yeah. So we got to go. We got to go six and one. Six and one down the stretch. Four on the road. Got to finish, man. Low. Got to be Bottom road line. Road only, Warriors. They've only, they've only, they've only, got a chance. Well, that's all you're saying. Road Warriors, but <laughs> they've won once on the road this year. Uh, yeah. Don't tell me that. Don't tell yeah, me that. <laughs> and they still have one more AFC team to play, and they've they've gone Can one we and six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We couldn't beat the AFC last year. I know. Oh, one and three. Yeah. Oh, and three this Buffalo, year. those were tough ones, yeah. Next year, we won't schedule any AFC <laughs> at all. That's going to do it for us. Falcons Audible. Dave Archer, DJ Shockley, Matt Zabeek. Peace out.